Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Have you ever known anyone who built a rainforest in their home? In Minnesota, of all places. Steven Schusler is the founder and CEO of Schusler Creative Inc., and he's made a career of creating fully immersive experiences at popular restaurants like the Rainforest Cafe, T-Rex Cafe, and Boathouse at Disney Springs, and Yakid Yeti at Disney's Animal Kingdom. With a long history of first, he'll address why a no is a yes waiting to happen, how he creates these experiences using all five senses, and his best-selling book, it's a jungle in there. Stephen, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Guest hosting this episode of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett is Trisha Ben, Chief Community Officer of the C-Suite Network. Thank you for having me. I am so thrilled that you're here. I have read your book. I am ecstatic about all that you have packed into that book and the experience of your life and the experiences you crave for everyone else. So thanks. you have made a career of truly living your brand in every way. And it started certainly with creating a, and getting funding for the Rainforest Cafe. How did that idea come about for you? And it, can you describe that process of creating that type of themed restaurant and everything that entails in terms of your vision? Well, prior to creating the Rainforest Cafe, I created a place called Jukebox Saturday Night. And it was a 50s and 60s restaurant complete with uh, a lifeguard chair and sand. Uh, and in the restrooms, we had good and plenty and uh, bazooka bubblegum wrappers uh, uh, on the walls. We just did it different. We had a 57 Chevy as a DJ booth. We had a 57 Chevy outside as a canopy over the restaurant's. And we had jitterbug twist and all kinds of contests every week. It was a lot of fun. And after seven years of having a, a themed nightclub business, which usually has a lifespan of about three years, we pulled off seven, we closed. And in that, I decided that I wanted something that had more demographics of family and less of the nightclub business. I was tired of being up at three or four o'clock in the morning and tired of the kind of crowd that nightclubs uh, introduced. And so I started searching. And I've had tropical birds since I was 14 or 15 years old. And I talked to them and they talked to me. And every day I would come home and I would look at these beautiful animals that God created. And I take them out of their cages. And one day it just snapped. I said to myself, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could introduce these beautiful animals to the rest of the world? Their plumage, their, their, their personalities, uh, the fact that they talk, the fact that they have a lifespan that mirrors ours. They, they could live over 100 years. And I said, wouldn't it be nice if I could also take deforestation and recycling and all the things that, that are prominent in today's world and introduce it in this concept? And that's kind of how Rainforest Cafe was born. The thing that is incredible to me is you didn't just come up with that as an idea or a concept. You built the rainforest in your home to really be able to deliver on the funding because a great idea is a great idea. There are 
I don't know, I don't even know how you could count how many great ideas there are, but to actually live it the way you did, I would love you to share more of that. And I've shared with Stephen prior to this conversation, I'm never going to get the image of him in a barrel in Superman pants out of my mind because his commitment to really truly live that brand and make it happen, see it through to its delivery is phenomenal. Can you share more of that with us, Stephen, and how that played out through the rainforest? Sure. sure. Well, first of all, I told people the idea and I would express myself. I'm a very passionate. I use my hands. I use my mouth. I'm a New Yorker. So I talk a lot and I would tell people how I felt about this rainforest cafe that I wanted to build. And everybody would say, oh my God, live tropical birds, rainfalls, waterfalls, uh, mists, and all the things sound so great. Call us when you're open. And they'd roll their eyes in the back of their head and they'd walk away and they think I was absolutely out of my mind. Most people would do an architectural drawing and, and they'd color it and they'd make it look really fancy and really nice. The problem with a tropical rainforest is it's built around the five senses. So you really can't smell, touch, taste anything by describing it. I decided to take my home uh, along with my old English sheepdog, my St. Bernard and my Newfoundland. And I decided that I would invite the Rainforest Cafe in my home. So I started painting the walls and ceilings black in preparation for my greenery treatment, which was the canopy of a tropical rainforest. and Besides the fact that I got the DEA uh, raided me at uh, two o'clock in the morning, thinking that I was growing marijuana plants, all my neighbors chipped in and they hired a psychiatrist because they heard that I was painting the ceilings and my walls black in preparation for my greenery treatment. And they said, you know, we think this guy is into black magic and he's going to eat our children. So they would all get dressed up in, in outfits and every Friday they'd come to my home and they'd deliver presents and say goodbye to me because they thought I was leaving. <laughs> they thought I was really nuts. But at the end of the day, the most important word that you brought up in the introduction is immersive. I wanted to be immersed in the Rainforest Cafe. I wanted to be part of every element that I created. So I decided to use my home. One, it was cheaper, but it cost me about $400,000 to convert my home into the concept. I had to take my ceilings out, increase the size of the ceilings. I, I had waterfalls. I had moving animals that were animated. Um, I had 600-gallon saltwater fish tanks. Uh, I had a retail store that I built with all the retail product that I would have. And I would have investors literally come over every single week and we'd do a presentation. I'd have a photographer. I'd put parrots on their shoulders. I would do a, a whole number to get a feel, not only for myself, but to give them a feel to what the immersive experience could look like. I've always thought that it would be educational and entertaining. It was really mm -hmm. important for me to have those two elements, if, if not a bunch more. And everyone laughed when I told them I would have live tropical parrots adjacent to food because it's not allowed either by the health department or the building department, but I built an HVAC system over the birds that took the spurs or the dandruff of the birds out of the air so that mm -hmm. it had no possibility of getting into the food. And I passed all the codes and I was the only one in the world ever to have live tropical parrots uh, adjacent yes. to food in the restaurant. You build out all your concepts. So you have five yes. labs is my understanding. We have Why five laboratories in Minnesota. Right. So so why do you do that? I mean, you did it the first time. And I think all of us are thinking, 
questioning our own commitment to our businesses, right? None of us have done that. I'm quite convinced. But you've continued that on with all of your businesses and the five laboratories that you currently have. Why? Why keep doing that? Because the, the visual is so, so important. Uh, it's so important for people to feel it, to, to go through it, experience it, and then to hear what they have to say. So we used to hire people at all different uh, ages to come in and give us their experience, what they thought about going through our place. And that information is so valuable. And so many entrepreneurs today don't want to take the time. They don't want to spend the money to do the research. Uh, you know, I'm asked all the time, how, how do you start? And, and I tell them, start with a business plan. It, it seems so basic, but it, yeah. it's so important that they have a, a plan. And I would take everybody through the plan as well. We, we had the most incredible financial plans that you could possibly have. They were colored. They were they were informative. It, it was 300 pages uh, long so that they could see the commitment. Um, right. uh, most investors today, they want to make sure that wh- whoever they invest in is committed to the project. A lot of people would say after seeing our concepts that I should be committed uh, you know, to, to, to a <laughs> higher a institution. Yeah, the Superman pants alone, possibly. But That's right. uh, if it delivers, it's not crazy, right? <laughs> so- That's right. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. C-Suite Radio. So you look at the properties as truly attractions, not just restaurants. You you mentioned the word feel several times already, that conveyance of connection. And I want to come back to the business modeling again, because that's a favorite topic for me. But can you share a little bit more of why you think of them as attractions? And in the book, you have a whole section where you really focus on that layering experience. And I thought that is so powerful in terms of how we think about our customer experience. Well, it, it, like immersive, uh, layering is one of the most powerful words that you could possibly bring up. So thank you for doing that. But for instance, in the canopy of a tropical rainforest, you, you have a layer of greenery, and then I have a layer of honeysickle, a layer of grapevine, old ropes, and mechanical animals. We had an ape that go around in circles. We had crocodiles by ponds. It's over sensory. Most people, you know, don't talk about urinating on a podcast, but most people urinate two or three times during their visit to a tropical rainforest cafe because of all the different things that are going on. It's over sensory and it makes your body functions a different than they ordinarily would be. So we try to do things, for instance, when possible, I put a stove in the restaurant and I cook apple pie. 
so that the smell of the apple pie permeates through the entire restaurant. The reason we call it an attraction is because there's so many people that are waiting usually to get in. So to service our guests, we always have a retail store in every restaurant that we build. And we find products that are absolutely unbelievable that children that are three years old and adults that are 101, your grandmother, your grandfather, we usually have three generations eating at the same table together. That does not happen at, at most, most restaurants. So every element we look into, I'm known as the lighting king. Why? I can walk into a restaurant. I could walk in anywhere. And I could tell you in five minutes if there's a light bulb out. And it's just a gift that I was given with. And that's why I say sweat the small stuff. When people say, no, I don't sweat the small stuff. Let's go after the big stuff. It's all about the small stuff. The whole the, business is yes. about the small stuff. The light bulb example that really stood out to me, you know, it's like, does that really need to be changed now? Yes, it does. And, and you make it very clear in the layering concept why that's so important. But what you just raised about the restroom, that's extraordinary. And anyone who's done any research on spaces that people spend time in, the restroom is absolutely crucial to the length of the experience and time and money that will be spent in that experience. That is fascinating to me, Stephen. And I bet you have some really interesting data on what that's meant in terms of your business. Well, sure. It, it, first of all, uh, we have a concept that a jazz concept that we call swing, and it's called Aeroblue. And in it, we created the urinals to be saxophones. So when someone uh, relieves themselves in the saxophone, music actually comes out of the saxophone. And then we put tubas in the ladies' room. So when you come back from using the restroom, you go to the table, you're usually whispering in your significant other's ear, honey, you're not going to believe what I just did. Well, what could you have done? You just went to the restroom, you know, and, and then you talk about the experience in the restroom in your restaurant at the table. Most people don't do that. So it's fun. And people like men and women, they want a clean bathroom. They want a bathroom that smells good. They want a bathroom. If you can have a bathroom that has that, but also is fun and you mm -hmm. can talk about it and it's light and it's bright and it's taken care of, it's one of the most important things, but it it's really the is. least effective thing that restaurateurs think about. It is so true. And I know, you know, I did a lot of research years ago on malls and behavior in malls. Why do people leave malls? Restrooms, you know, it's fascinating. Okay. So in your book, and, and it's obviously a bestseller for lots of great reasons. It's a jungle in there. You live by the important words, six words. No is yes, waiting to happen. Yes. So Tell us why that is and, and how you make that work for you authentically to who you are. When someone says no to something we're pitching or we're talking about, it inspires me to work twice as hard. We spend a lot more money. We go a lot further. We try to analyze what they did not like. I can't tell you how many times I've been said no to, and it turns out to be yes. Because not only do people appreciate the fact that you're working towards the yes, the extra information you provide, give them the opportunity to say yes. For instance, when someone visits our laboratories, I don't show them one product. I don't show them one restaurant. I show them five or six. If someone doesn't like something for a particular reason, they have five or six other reasons to say yes. 
So right. th that's really important. Give people a reason to be able to say yes. If you're only showing them one thing, they can say yes or they can say no. If you're showing them six different things, it's really, really hard if you're a creative guy for somebody to say no. And well, sometimes, and just, the, the like in the case there, of the Walt Disney... Yeah, I was just going to say the key there that of what you just shared is context, right? That's no, right. in that context doesn't mean no in the five other contexts. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and, and people don't get that, and they get disappointed. You know, students, uh, people in school, they want a, an immediate yes. It doesn't happen like that. Not only do you need to take the time and do the research, but you just can't accept a no for an answer. You have to work really, really hard. I like to say, if you fall off the horse, if you, if you fall off your bike, get back on it, pedal, and keep going. Just keep going. I can't tell you how many nights I've cried in the mirror, and I've said, mirror, mirror on the wall, you know, uh, who's the fairest of them all? I know it's not you. And then I would laugh, and the next day I would, you know, say, you need a mental examination, but you're doing the right thing. You got to keep yeah. going because you, you've got something there. I would yeah. call myself neurotic. Um, and then I'd laugh at myself and I keep going. And it's worked. People respect hard work. People respect the fact that you won't accept no and you're giving them good reasons to reconsider. Happens every day. And you also say there's no such thing as a bad day. I don't accept that. And I love that. One of the things we say every Friday, best day ever, best week ever. You know? <laughs> and that sort of Teflon of, you know, we're going. We might have lost a, a, a battle. We might have had a, more than a little bit of a flesh wound, but we're going we're gonna to get through to the end of this. Now, you also really emphasize how you refer to the five P's of entrepreneurial success. And so can you share those five P's and, and really how you've used them to empower the kind of success you wanted to see, not just for yourself, but obviously the incredible connectivity that you have with everyone you do business with? Well, I talk about the, the importance of passion. Passion is one of them. I talk about people. People is probably the most important thing. You've got to be outgoing. You can't be an introvert and, and be an entrepreneur. It just doesn't work that way. I talk about personality. Everybody has a personality. Bring your personality out. Let it come out. Talk about it. I talk about the risk-taking of entrepreneurial success. It's a risk. You want to be an entrepreneur, you're, you're definitely uh, gambling. But you're not gambling with chips. You're not gambling with cards. You're gambling with yourself. And why not? Who best to gamble with yourself than yourself? Who best knows yourself? Who, who's best to know? When you send out a resume for a job, you send out 10 or 15 or 20. You don't send out one and you keep going. And every time you, you go for an interview, you learn something else because usually every person that interviews you is going to ask close to same questions. You become better and better at not only answering the questions, but learning more about yourself. It takes time, and time is a, a magic ingredient. Time is something that people just don't give to what they're, what they're after. They think it should be uh, immediate, or, mm -hmm. or they should get a response right away. I would love to get a response right away to every pitch or every question that I ask or every problem I have, but it just doesn't happen. When you were mentioning earlier about sweating the small stuff, paying attention to details 
is probably the single most important thing. If you get nothing else out of listening to me today, paying attention to the small things, we talk about going into the restrooms and picking up other people's towels or cleaning the sink off. People just don't do that. But you see a wet sink and you're an employee in, in our restaurants. We teach you how to feel good about cleaning up someone else's mess, how, yes. how, how it makes it comfortable for the next people that come in and, and how it really changes the attitude of the, the entire place. When you do the proper training and you talk about attention to detail and you use examples, I talk about going into the men's room and finding a toilet that was used and not flushed. I'll flush the toilet. Why not? It only takes a minute of your time and it makes someone else's experience that much better. And we talk about, for instance, the music. I handpick every song. It has to have a certain beat per minute. It has to have a certain tone. In the first five seconds of a song, it has to be recognizable. Mm -hmm. And you know how many songs aren't recognizable within the five, first five seconds? So we take everything we do passionately, whether it's the music, whether it's the urinals, whether it's the smell in the restaurant. Um, yes. Everything that we do, we try to we try to take it to an, a level that's higher than anyone else has done. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. C-Suite Radio. So, Stephen, with everything that you do, and I know you're a huge believer in multitasking, but for yes. all of us learning you and your journey and your successes and you share your failures, too, what does multitasking, how do you manage to use multitasking to do all the things that you do. It's truly astonishing. And so how do you make that work for you? All of us do it every day. We're all doing multitasking. It's a matter of becoming better at it and understanding that the only way you're going to be successful is to be able to do two or three or four things at the same time. Make a hundred phone calls a day, a hundred phone calls a day. I give two or three people different things to do five or six or seven times a day. I'm always checking in with each one of them. You and everybody else has that ability. It's just the fact that you, some of us like it. And a lot of people don't. It mixes people up. It confuses people. They don't understand when you're a multitasker. They think you have ADD. Um, <laughs> You know, I think I think that might be a great thing in your case, right? In our case, yeah. all of us, we go to move forward. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's really important. I want to come back to you mentioned earlier about the business plan. And I think so frequently when we are a values based business leader, we want to have impact. We want to create those great experiences. Uh, we want to see success in the customers and the communities that we serve. And so we kind of skip over that step. And I am so passionate about having great leaders create great businesses, which means the business model, <laughs> right? To be able to deliver that impact. And I'd love if you could share, how did you sure. use that planning to really create and, and take advantage of firsts? You know, because a lot of times too, firsts, first out does not mean winning. 
and no. you've made it win. So can you connect those dots for us with the planning and the winning, even sure. when you are the first out there? Sure. The first, first of all, doesn't mean the best, and it doesn't mean you're going to have the, the most success. With the Rainforest Cafe, I knew when I created it that I wanted to take it public. I knew that I wanted to open up multiple stores, but everyone else told me, just concentrate on the Mall of America where you open your first store. You have two-hour waiting lines. Just concentrate on taking care of the guests. And I decided I want to take my vision to the Walt Disney World Company. And uh, I can't tell you how many people told me that Disney was going to steal it or that they would take my ideas and leave me in the wind. And it's just just so far from the truth. Everybody likes success. But, you know, when you when you look at newscasts at night, most of your newscasts are negative because people also like negative stuff. They like to hear negative things on television. They're tuned into it. Yeah, they're trained into it. So we made a conscious effort early on to make everything we do fun. You need to have fun in the office. You need to have fun uh, on the set. You need to have fun with whatever you're doing. And it translates. It translates to, to the guest and with everything that you do in life. There have been many, many, many instances where things that I do or come up with don't work. It might work for me in my head, but it might not work operationally. So for instance, with the Rainforest Cafe, we created it, we built it, we operated it. I built 45 in seven years in three continents. It almost killed me. I lived out of a suitcase. But what I realized after those seven years is that I'm not the day-to-day operator. I need to surround myself with people that are much better than I am. And that's an area where I decided to take on Landry's Restaurants as my partner with uh, the Rainforest Cafe, with T-Rex, with the Yak and Yeti. And then I brought in Gibson's Restaurants for my concept called The Boathouse. And they run the day-to-day operation. I continue with our operating our laboratories. And I do the creative stuff, the data stuff. I infuse life in them. But they do the operations, the human resources, the food the plating. Not that I'm not part of that, but it's not my primary uh, responsibility because you can't do everything great. And once you realize that and you get rid of the ego that's inside all of us, your business, your attitude, your thought process, everything works better. Ego's a killer, especially in the restaurant business because everyone wants to be a restaurateur. They think it's such a fun business and I'll invite my friends and I'll have a cocktail and I'll have a great meal. It doesn't work that way. It's not glamorous. It's not glorious. It's a business. And you got to think of it and run it like that. Me giving responsibilities to others that are better than I am has made me a much better person. I love that you share that. And it makes me think to a message that I'm not sure is stated as a matter of fact from the book, but just a feeling I have is this incredible respect and honor and gratitude that you live your life with for who you serve and who experiences these creations of yours. And, you know, everything from when you speak about when a phone message is left, that needs to be picked up right away. If it's possible for that to be a person, if it's you, then that's, that's who it should be. And, and even so much as you say, 
if somebody has your phone number, you're picking up that phone and you're responding to media within two hours. You befriended media. And I think that's something I would love for you to share, but I would love for you to just address how you think about that, how you take advantage of and embrace those that could be put on the other side of you, right? Like the media for lots of people and create an opportunity and an advantage. And certainly this feeling of that you give of gratitude for being connected with others. We get a major piece of press or publicity almost every single week. And every month we get a front page story, usually because I ask for it when they interview me, which most people don't have the kahunas to do. But you need to do that. You need to be out front and you need to be uh, in charge. And what I find is that most people don't return phone calls as fast as they should, or they have their PR and marketing department. I'm our PR and marketing department. So I make sure I return those phone calls within two hours because of my experience in radio and television broadcasting. I understand we have deadlines. I understand that we have to meet those deadlines so that our guests and our viewers are entertained and and they understand. So I take it upon myself. And usually I shock people when I call them back and not someone representing me calls them back. And that's a good shock. I'd like to talk about shock and awe a lot because that's what we're really about. Everything we do has an element of shock and awe. I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe they thought of that. For instance, Rainforest Cafe, a wild place to shop and eat. We're branding specialists more than we are restaurateurs. We created a wild place to shop and eat. A T-Rex, a place to eat, shop, explore, and discover. So our tagline is almost as important as the name of our place. I think it's called respect. I think I thanked over 200 people uh, in my book. I have two or three pages yes, just like, dedicated yes. to the people I thanked. People that have, have, that have thought I was crazy, but still went along with me. It's important that you remember who they are and you thank them. Number one, they can't believe you remember them. Number two, it's respectful. And number three, it's classy. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.